G'day and welcome to Green and Gold Rugby Podcast 156, sponsored by the NRC. Uh, believe it or not, there's so much cash splashing around that even old Green and Gold Rugby got a bit. Uh, I'm joined tonight, I've got a distinguished panel. So I've got uh, Cyclopath, I've got Brumby Jack, and I've got Braveheart. Um, boys, good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. <laughs> right, we're not going to muck around too much because uh, this is a podcast of pain. Uh, you can probably hear it in our voices tonight. There was nothing... Well, we'll find out. Was there anything good to take out of Saturday night? Um, we're going to do it a little bit differently. So what we're going to do is just talk about actually most things we were most disappointed about on Saturday night. There can be a long list of grievances, I'm sure. But then whether we could find any glimmers of hope. So to lead, lead us off with most disappointed, um, Dave, Cyclo, mate, what's top of your list? Well, top of the list, I'm just going to go for defence. Um, I thought, if you look at the previous uh, seven or eight tests where they'd been, well, obviously unbeaten, uh, I think they were building good defensive structures, particularly against France. I think they started to get some really good defensive structures going. They weren't leaking a lot of points. They weren't conceding a lot of tries. Um, and the defensive structure on Saturday was terrible. Um, they didn't yeah, the problem of players not necessarily understanding what the players next to them were doing or trusting what they were doing. You had players rushing up in defence, um, which can be good, but if their timing for doing that's wrong, uh, it was creating holes which were getting exploited every time. And the, the up and in that was, that was coming out wide as well uh, often left one of their wingers open. Um, and given that we were not playing specialist wingers, it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to leave Julian Sevilla open. Um, so that was the thing that really disappointed me was defence because you could, see, you could see individuals trying to do things that they'd perhaps been doing during the Super Rugby season at their franchise. You see some of the Waratahs players approaching in a certain way, such as Rob Horn, who I thought actually defended quite well. Um, but you, you also saw that there weren't... Um, there weren't dominant hits being made, which we saw a lot. You know, we saw the, the Brumbies and the Waratahs doing that, particularly in, in the Super Rugby. That They're often able to put dominant tackles on players, put them backwards, completely stop the momentum and, you know, force turnovers. And the, the, there was no dominance in the defence from the Wallabies on, on Saturday at all. And I think that was a lot of that was just, I think, the poor coordination of the defence so that you didn't often have that second or third guy to come in and just smash a guy backwards and 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 get things going our way. So I mean, it was, they, yeah. I mean, it was it was surprising and disappointing because you know you had the Waratahs who had the best defence all last season, and and the Brumbies couldn't have been that bad. Couldn't have been bad either. I mean, they they had quite a defence based game. So you, you you just I mean you know obviously some sort of combination or they tried something a little bit different as the Wallabies rather than their franchises just meant that it totally went to shit. Yeah. Well, I guess and I. I guess it comes back, like you said, combinations. It comes back to that a little bit, um, knowing where the guy, the guys are going to be lining up next to you, and and I guess the guys next to you knowing what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I, I, it was hard to, to sort of determine if there was a, if there was an obviously different structure, but whatever they were doing, they were you know there was there was too much difference in line speed at times. The left holes and you know sometimes the the gaps the you know they had they had forwards running through gaps like they were you know like they were number tens. Um, so we were leaving some big holes which were just getting exploited too easily. Yeah, that was crazy. Alrighty, yep, that was a that was a big and a horrible one. Um, BJ, mate, what was what's top of your list? Just to, I think back with like what Dave said, our collisions work at the ruck. We were just getting smashed everywhere, and uh, our ruck defence where we seem to only throw one or two at best in there at any one time, and just uh, it seemed that even with extra players in that defensive line, we still couldn't do anything about it. And it just appeared that the All Blacks could just coming in wave after wave. And that, that run from Brody Retallick, I think, in that first half just summed it up. Like He just took the ball and took maybe four or five with him and he got, you know, got held up. So uh, he, had a, he had a very good game. But just the collision work and, and rucks in general was just disappointing to see that um, how we got absolutely bashed around there. Yeah, I mean they seemed very sticky, didn't they? I mean, even though they had like one tackler, quite often, quite often McCaw, um, who seemed to be able to stand up in the middle of a ruck and stay there. It just seemed very hard to dislodge the technique or the commitment to it or something was tough. And again, I say, you know, here were players who could do this all season, um, you know, but then couldn't do it in this game. Very strange. Yeah, yeah, it was um just. A real backward step from seven days earlier to come up with that sort of display, and um, luckily we've got a couple of weeks to work on that and fix it before we take on another team that's known for their uh, collision work to, in the Springboks. All righty, Will. I know you you wanted a little bit of time. I've, I've given you some stalling time there, mate. So, <laughs> what what have you got next on your list? Because I'm sure these were on there as well. What else have you got that you're disappointed about? You know, I guess going from where what Steve was talking about, how we um, just the turnaround of seven days, like we really fronted up in the wet in Sydney, and then we're absolutely nowhere, particularly in the Ford Pack and in Auckland. Um, just uh, so many of our fours just really didn't compete. I think uh, Slipper and Hooper were were the two obvious standouts from our our team as a whole, but and no one else did a whole lot. Um, I think our, our locks went through the game and made sort of 10 tackles in total, which is about half the number that um, the All Blacks locks made, and they were just dominant. Um, so I think Sam Carter made two tackles in 80 minutes, uh, which I don't know how you do that, but anyway. Um, and just didn't compete physically. It was almost like they sort of realised that they were in for a, a tough slog in the wet in Sydney and then thought, oh, the weather's good. It's going to be fast and flowing and we'll we'll just get out there and things will go our way. And obviously that didn't happen. Well, for about a minute and a half, I, I felt quite good when we got that first penalty and uh, we're up 3-0, but it didn't last very long. Yeah, no, exactly, mate. And I I guess the thing that ties all those three things together just seemed to be some sort of mental attitude, really. Because, like you say, these were guys who, against the same team, in worse conditions, um, only a few, few, you know, only a week earlier had done it or had done a lot of those things. Um, so, I mean, there's something about them. There was a, like, there's a mental fragility or something um, when they're, is it because, you know, they're at Eden Park or whatever else it is, it's hard to know. But it, it really did seem that um, they kind of lost it and for some reason decided they couldn't do things. Um, I'm going to add my disappointment and I think we could all see it coming. I, I, and here's the thing, I think the whole Australian rugby public could see it coming. 
which was uh, yeah the persistence and the attacking structure. Um, you know, everyone kind of groaned when we saw Kurtley Bill putting put at ten and said, "Well, are we really going to do that?" Um, we had two other tens that worked quite well, especially Foley, who just won a Super Rugby final for goodness sake. Um, you know, in that halves combination, and it didn't really work. You know, in Sydney, and then we saw him try it again, and I don't think anyone's come out and said it worked. Um, it's a bit of a schmozzle. I mean, uh, you know, Dave, were you surprised when you saw what was happening with Bill? Um, I, I wasn't. No, I wasn't completely surprised, particularly once I saw the forwards really not making any headway. Because I think, you know, it's been said before and it's been seen before that uh, Bill, Bill's a guy that um, really, really prospers in slightly more broken play that you're going to get with faster turnover. You're going to get with a fast recycle, with the forwards going forward and really fast delivery from the halfback, um, preferably not ideally to him. Yeah. No, I... I, I, And I think, you know, he when he's not getting that and you're relying on him to make the play, uh, he doesn't seem to do that so well. He seems to be the guy that seizes on chinks in the armour and exploits them very well and... You know, he was he ended up being, you know, too deep, and then just ends up moving too laterally and shoveling it. And you know, and when he does take the ball to the line, he he does it too upright. He just he sort of hits the contact upright and gets smashed. So, you know, I could once the forwards weren't firing, you thought, oh, this is this is not going to be good. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I think my my viewpoint on on that is that. Uh, you know, with Foley, Foley plays a really important uh, role there with the Tars, and, and that's that kind of straightening role, which then creates that space that Bill can then um, do his little crossfield run or, or whatever, or look for a runner. Um, and I, you know, I think we saw that when Foley came back on towards the uh, back end of the, of the game, um, how that changed a little bit. Also, I mean, obviously towards the back end of the game, so we were a bit tighter, a little bit more tired. But you know, it, it was disappointing, and I think it's made it's surely going to make a massive headache for Link. Um, you know, thinking about what's he, you know, what's he doing now? He's trying to make a stamp on this team, and and you know the the biggest stamp, which was Kurtley at ten, is you know is just not working out. Yeah, right there, right there. So that's the disappointments. Uh, what about the glimmers of hope, Cycloker? Did you find anything? Well, yeah. Look, I think. One of the ongoing glimmers of hope, I would say, is well, it's, they're linked. It would be James Slipper, uh, really just is showing a lot of consistency now. Not only in his set piece, but he's, he's, he's we always knew he was pretty good around the field, um, and he's producing it week in, week out. So that is that's a big plus. Um, and I think with that, the um, you know the performance of the scrum was. I'm not going to say it was fantastic, but it was certainly encouraging when we had eight people on the field. So, you know, I think that's something to be a little bit hopeful for. Obviously, we're going to get tested out pretty severely by the Argies. But, um, you know, I think, I think that's something to be a little bit hopeful about is looking at, at, at getting some stability. And if we can keep some of our top-line hookers on the, you know, uh, on the field, then I think... I think we can actually get reasonable stability in the front row. Yeah, no, it did look good. I mean, when we had eight on the field, uh, we actually got a little bit of stability in the, and actually even the lineout wasn't a disaster. Um, so considering what else was going going wrong, um, when we actually had a full complement, um, things kind of didn't go too far 
off plan. Uh, BJ, what about you, mate? Did you see any reason to find some hope? I think like what Dave said, it was the, the slipper has played very well this year. Um, even for the Reds, like in a season which hasn't been too good for them either. Um, other than that, it wasn't a great deal that could, to be excited about. Um, there was a little bit of more directness once Foley and, and Higginbotham to some degree when he came on. Um, but I think by then the, the game had really opened up and it was just just chasing it at that stage. And uh, you know we got the two late tries, which was one glimmer of hope, I guess, that we didn't just give up completely. Um, but it was too late by then. Uh, and I feel like we're searching here. Um, Will, what have you got, mate? Help. I certainly felt uh, felt things improved a lot when uh, Nick Phipps came on the field. Like he he just his service was much better, and he really showed some urgency, um, getting the ball out of the ruck and 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 getting forwards running onto it. Like I think that combined well with Higginbotham on the field, and he actually got some forwards charging onto the ball, getting that getting it out in front of them, and um, and getting over the advantage line, and and that sort of let us go um, a bit wider. And suddenly Foley was getting the ball on the front foot, and um, and then Beal outside him. And uh, pretty soon after that, we got our first try for Falau. So I think the most obvious change for me is is that Phipps has to start. Like I think Nick White's had two terrible tests in a row, and and our backline's been terrible outside of that. Like I think I think Phipps and Foley should both start. Um, Bill needs to go back to the bench, and uh, w- whether he's partly uh, sort of losing his spot because uh, Nick White inside him has been been poor, or or they've both been really poor, I'm not really sure. But I think that has to happen, and and hopefully we just see um, a bit more sort of line speed from our our players in attack, and and just taking the ball to the line because uh, if our forwards don't really try and punch a few holes through next to the ruck. Our back line's not going to get anywhere. Like you just can't sort of play the ball behind the line with um with a sort of the defence moving up on you against a team as good as the All Blacks. You're never going to get through them that way. So we we need to get go, get some go forward, and that I think starts with the halfback. And Nick Phipps' form's been really good, and and hopefully he gets the start and and um, gives it for uh, gives that to us against South Africa in a, in a week and a half. So yeah, I mean I I'm you know as far as I don't think we can say half full, but you know, to find a glass even fractionally full um, from Saturday night, it would be that we did manage to find some gaps. Uh, we did manage to get behind them a few times uh, when we played anything that looked that resembled sort of uh, you know tight in attacking rugby. Um, and you just got to feel that if we can you know string a bit of that more, a bit more of that together, make some more sensible selections, um, that you, you know then you never know what might happen. Um, I guess the other bit is it's hard to imagine that we can play any worse. I think the other bit was we had a few things that didn't bounce our way. I mean, you, geez, when it's 51, 20 or whatever it was, you can't gripe too much, can you, really? Um, but, you know, it was like that uh, the head high on Izzy, uh, which was a potential, you know, kind of 14-point turnaround. Um, and there was a few other bits and pieces that we could probably gripe about, but, I mean, I, you know, I'm not sure how much. But, you know, those things are important in a game, uh, the way they fall and, and the timing of that. Uh, because you know there was a try that came off it um, was 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 pretty was pretty important uh, for the game I think we've had the uh, the squad announced uh, so I, think, I know BJ you were across this today what main changes and I guess well this really ties into the biggest one uh, was that the shockers you know Pat McCabe's gone and broken his neck for a third time I think what's, what's the skinny on that yeah well the injury he got for that 
uh, was in that game on Saturday. Uh, apparently, it was just a, a slight knock on his head. But I guess if you've had two fractured necks before, it wouldn't take too much f- to get another one. Um, and he did return from Auckland in a neck brace, and that sort of rang alarm bells then. So he's had a chat to some specialists about it, and the second one, he had sort of second opinion, and the second one has strongly suggested that he um, give it up. So there's just a few things to work through there in terms of it, I think, being official. Um, but I think uh, f- for a third neck injury of, of that nature, it could be time to hang him up. Well, I mean, hey, look, he's such a great guy. We've had him on the show a couple of times. One of them actually got recorded, which was great. Um, but, and, he, and he is a super guy. And I mean, I think everyone's just devastated for him. Um, I've no doubt when you talk to him, he's a, obviously a bright guy and a super nice guy. So... I've no doubt he's going to do well in whatever he, whatever he does do, and I'm sure no one, you know, kind of wanted this to happen. But I, you know, if you step back from this and take that out of it, I mean, you know, you've broken your neck twice, and you're an international rugby player who's known for just, you know, throwing yourself at people. Uh, I'm a bit gobsmacked it's got this far. Uh, my, my colleague Dave, um, Doctor Dave, <laughs> is it yeah. just me? Nah, look, I mean. Um, without sort of crossing uh, specialist boundaries here and getting myself in strife, uh, I, f- I must admit I found it pretty puzzling that he had been able to come back twice from it. Um, but, you know, fractures are fractures, and once they heal up, theoretically, it's all good. Why is somebody at? Why is somebody, you know? Um, at his age, getting um, fractures in what are fairly innocuous incidents like that. So I was a bit surprised he came back, to be honest. Um, and I'm, like, I'm gutted for him. I mean, he's, a, he's one of these players that I think everyone admires because of the way he plays the game and his, his, his application, his dedication. Uh, he doesn't leave anything out there. So, uh, you know, it's a real shame for him because, and for Australian rugby and for the Brumbies. You know, he's, he's, been, a, he's been a terrific player. Yeah, no, it is indeed. I mean, I, I must admit the bit, I, the place I was getting to was I was actually concerned for the people he was playing against, right? So it only takes somebody to hit him the wrong way or, you know, mm. something to happen and then they're responsible for maybe, you know, making an even worse injury, you know? Um, and, you know, which is kind of unfair when you know a guy's run on twice before and fractured his neck. Yeah, sure. Um, anyway, so... Look, uh, not a thing anyone wanted to happen, but this might be a bit of sanity prevailing finally. So going back to the squad then, BJ, so I think it's Peter Beetham who's coming for him. Is that right? Yep. Uh, Say that again. Yeah, Beetham's in on the wing. Um, the other change is Nathan Charles is, is out for the rest of the season, with a, I think, torn pectoral maybe. So Tatafu is back in and will be there with James Hansen and Sayafanga battling it out for the hooker spot. Right. And, and that's, that's pretty much it then. No one else is... That's, it's, a, it's a standard uh, squad otherwise? Uh, Kyle, Kyle Goldwyn. Yeah. Ah, of course. Yeah, the Force fans will be very happy about that. Uh, might get a few more through the gate over there, which would be good if he gets a start. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. I very much doubt he'll get a start. I mean, he's playing his first game of NRC this weekend, isn't he? Yeah. So, I mean, sorry, his first game in a while and it's NRC this weekend. So... I mean, I'm I'm excited to see that they're considering him and putting him in the squad, and even to train with them, because I think he's a real talent. But um, <laughs> I'd be utterly gobsmacked if he if he got 
in the 23. No, I really would. It feels like he's kind of being blooded into the squad, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, I think the only other thing that came out, I saw the announcement today and it immediately sparked a comment uh, underneath it was that, you know, when you get these announcements from the ARU of the squad, they, they, they kind of batch people into positions, don't they? And um, they had Kirtley Beale there. There was only two, two tens and one is Kirtley Beale and one is Foley. So, anyway, it doesn't say everything, but, it, you know, it, I think he's still in there. I think they're still considering him there. Um, I don't think we, we might not have seen the, the, uh, the end of this. I guess if they're going to get, get rid of him, it's, uh, well, I guess he's, he's likely to be on the bench if he loses, presuming he loses his starting spot, and um, he's still going to be a replacement for Foley or Tamua late in the game, you'd guess, like, as he was against the, in, the, in the whole French series. So I don't think that's really surprising, and who knows what Link will do. Like, I think Adam Ashley Cooper's been listed as a back three option in every squad they've announced this year, and obviously he's played 13 the last two games, so... I don't think you can take too much from it. Um, there might be a bit of cut, cut and paste in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look, I, I don't think they're about to. If Bill goes back to the bench, it'll be Foley starting. I don't think we're about to see Tamua playing ten. I think that would quite change the structure they're sort of going for quite a lot. So. Well, I mean, and funnily, I mean, you know, Link made a lot of noises coming out of the weekend that you know things will need personnel will need to change, selections only a one game contract sort of thing. Um, you know, what other big changes are people seeing? Uh, any of you guys got a prediction for, uh, you know, starting side changes? I wouldn't be surprised if Skelton starts. Um, I'm not, I'm still a little bit unsure about whether that's a great thing, but I, I, just, I wouldn't be surprised if he maybe, maybe starts. Um, I... I equally wouldn't be surprised if Horwell has a blinder in NRC this weekend, and I gather he's playing. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him start because really I think we need something a bit more from between Carter and Simmons. We need something a bit more than we got. Um, and, you know, Horwell getting back into his better form could be that. Um, Skelton might be the, the slightly left field starter for me. Um, but that's, yeah, I, and otherwise I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we end up seeing Kurindrani at 13 and Ashley Cooper back to the wing. Not that I necessarily want that, but I think that might be where we end up going. Anyone else? Any predictions? Yeah, I think um, the lock at risk of losing his spots has got to be Sam Carter, who sort of really fell out of that game badly. And, um, yeah, so the... Uh, I guess the squad members playing NRC this weekend are uh, Horwell, Skelton, um, Godwin, Lilafano, um, and that might be about it. Um, I think there's one uh, one other, but uh, it escapes me at the moment. But um, I certainly think Horwell and Skelton are both both a good chance, whether that's coming into the 23 for Horwell or starting for Skelton. Um, I think Nick Phipps has to start at, at halfback, and I think that'll happen. Um, I'm still not 100% convinced uh, Foley will start ahead of Beal, but I think it's likely. And, and as uh, Dave said, um, Kuradrani, now that we've lost McCabe, Kuradrani coming into 13 and, McCabe, and uh, Ashley Cooper moving out to 14 seems pretty likely given that the, other, the alternative is, is for Beetham to play on the wing. Mm. Um, okay. Well, yeah, I mean, I think I'm, I'm with you guys. We've got to find some grunt there in the engine room. And um, it's going to be it'd be a big big step up step up from it. It's hard to see how he could last maybe a full game, but that's the sort of thing that the eclipse could kind of offer us. Um, 
for someone to get in there and, and, and uh, make a few hits, mark up a few rucks and uh, truck the ball up a bit. So, uh, I'd, yeah, I'd be looking to see a bit more of him, I think. And if we don't play Foley at 10, then I really will spit the dummy. And this is becoming <laughs> Deans-esque. Um, alrighty. So, uh, let's kind of... Let's, I think that's the Wallabies done. Anything else? You guys, any lingering things you wanted to voice about that? Or can we kind of assign that to the rubbish bin of, of history? Um, I think one reflection, I was having a conversation with somebody the other day, and you just think about some of the names that aren't in that side. Um, you know, obviously Cooper, um, uh, you Genia. Know, Genia, exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah more. Now. Yeah, uh, well, and then I know he's disgraced, but James O'Connor, dare I say it, um, of, you know, the people that, you know, of the right age and everything else that you'd expect to be in there. So I'm not even talking about the Drew Mitchells and the Gittos and stuff, which I think we'd have to agree have moved on. But, you know, some young key talent, which we'd spent years developing. Um, you know, those those three backs are on their own, O'Connor, Genia and, uh, and Cooper. Uh, the number of caps we invested in those guys that, you know, we're not seeing the benefit of, um, whereas that all-black team was, um, is, you know, no one wants to use the, you know, developing excuse because it doesn't matter when you've lost 50 to 20 but I mean, it's just a, it's a fact um, that they were young players in their prime that you would expect to be seeing uh, and they weren't there for lots of different reasons um, I mean that's one reflection um, to take away from so anyway look that's that's the Wallabies done for a weekend now the other thing we had was the inaugural round of the NRC um, so I think a few you guys actually managed to either watch something on telly those the ones of you who are rich enough to have Fox um, and BJ, did you actually get along to a game? Yep, I got out to the Vikings and Perth Spirit game on Saturday uh, in Canberra, and the Vikings had 11 br- contracted Brumbies players started, so you thought they might have done the business there, but I'll tell you what, I'll, I can, I'll throw in the pun here and say it was a very spirited def- showing from the Perth Spirit because they had only a, a handful of Western Force contracted players in their team, and uh, they really gave it to the, the Vikings side. And you know the, the final margin of five points really flattered the Vikings because the Spirit had two guys in the bin at one stage. And uh, they scored a, two late tries to, to snatch the win there against the Vikings, 28 to 23. Oh, right. Okay. And, and what's, what was it like? What was the, what was the quality like? Uh, the Vikings were very disappointing, to be honest. They, they couldn't get any uh, play together with... Lots of dropped ball and um, you know that they were defending a lot in their own half and even their 22 and and they they were just defending so much that it really took it out of their own forwards. Like they had guys like Fotu Alvalua in there and he seemed to be uh, battling a bit just because of the physicality of having to make so many tackles there. Um, and I will add in that Leo Lafano's kicking was continuing. He he missed three conversions, admittedly two were from out wide but under the new scoring system where conversions are three points you know he's missed uh, three conversions and that's um, nine points so he's uh, lost the game there you could say okay now um, so that yeah so like you said that ended up uh, the Canberra Vikings going down to 23-28 now Cyclo I think you saw the yellow guys play the yellow guys was it Brisbane City against the Sydney Stars on TV it was it was mustard versus yellow yeah and it was uh, it was an interesting uh no, it was quite an interesting game. I mean, the um, all the mail before the game was that the um, the Queensland Queenslanders were going to be far too strong, and it ultimately proved to be so. But um, in the first half, the um, the Sydney Stars actually put on a lot of points. They put on a lot of tries. They couldn't kick conversions once again. 
So one stage they were, I think they were ahead four tries to two, but they're only ahead by a point or two points or something. Yeah. Um, and um, and then they just um, they ran out of puff, and um, you know the uh, the Queenslanders came all over them uh, in the second half and ended up <laughs> so so to speak, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought it was very disappointing for anyone. There was a fair, there was a fair bit of, um, there was a fair bit of breeze there, and it was pretty wet um, up at Ballymore. But um, yeah, they ended up winning it comfortably, and uh, they had some, there were some handy performances from. Um, I mean, Karevi played well, I thought, um, for them. Um, he was probably the standout for mine. Um, it was a bit loose. The game was was it was very entertaining, but then there were some good tries scored. But it was a little bit loose uh, defensively, especially as the game went on. It did become a little bit sevens esque, but um, that was very entertaining to watch. Okay, and um, I mean, obviously, kicking your goals in this new point scoring thing uh, is is pretty important there. Um, uh, Braveheart, what, what did you see, mate? Yes, I, I watched the uh, the TV game and. Uh, Similar thoughts to Dave. It uh, was pretty enjoyable, but pretty sort of fast and loose, and not a lot of tackling. Particularly when uh, Karevi had the ball, he sort of ran riot. Um, I thought the uh, the thirteen for the stars, Jimmy Stewart, was was really good. Um, who sort of played for the uh, Junior World Cup side this year. Um, so he'll certainly, I imagine, if be one uh, Michael Check is looking at for the Waratahs and. Um, yeah, and also got down to Coogee Oval on Saturday afternoon to watch um, the New South Wales Country Eagles against the Greater Sydney Rams. So that, again, was a really wet game, particularly in the first half. And, uh, look, a, a game of rugby threatened to break out in the first half but didn't really happen, and it was two all at halftime. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, but then uh, the country team ran away with in the second half and, and actually started holding onto the ball a bit better and... Um, Won four tries to nil. I think it was uh, thirty-one to two in the end. And um, I think my, most of the sort of Waratahs players in the game were, were probably the standouts. Uh, Kane Douglas was very good. Um, Mike Alatoa was good at uh, tight head prop. Um, Taylor Gray was the number eight. Was really powerful for the Eagles and sort of made a lot of good runs. Um, and uh, for the uh, the Rams, um, sort of Ben Robinson probably wasn't that great but uh, certainly when he went off the uh, the Rams scrum fell apart and um uh um Jed Holloway was pretty good as well at the number 8 and also their captain um but yeah it's, it was pretty entertaining um, the weather sort of uh, made the crowd a bit sort of low i think it was probably only about a thousand people down at uh, Coogee Oval but uh certainly good to see the NRC underway and uh it was a pretty entertaining game in the end um, with the few tries in the second half so good one yeah all right, good stuff. I know Bob Dwyer, um, I was having a chat to him on Sunday night, and he thought, um, I think he complimented the, the, the Country Eagles coach uh, on his uh, selection, saying he, he really managed to pick um, a, a good pack there. Um, and then the only other game we had was also on a Sunday, and that was the Melbourne Rising against the North Harbour Rays, who's uh, my team, uh, down in Melbourne, and they ended up cleaning up 55-34. Um, again, sounds like uh, defence might have been optional there. Um, <laughs> So, but, but, you know, that's NRC for you, right? Um, so, yeah, so four games then. And then looking ahead to this weekend, uh, I've actually got the uh, list in front of me. So on the, when I say the weekend, on the Thursday, so this will be the game that will actually be televised. Uh, this is the Greater Sydney Rams uh, hosting the University of Canberra Vikings. 
Um, so that's at the Pertec Stadium in Sydney. Uh, and then on Saturday, we've got Queensland Country hosting the New South Wales Country Eagles. Uh, and then on the Sunday, you've got Perth Spirit hosting Brisbane City. And also on the Sunday, Sydney Stars against the Melbourne Rising. Um, so there we go, uh, another good round of NRC. Uh, the other news I've got is that um, I actually had a chat with the ARU last week. Um, I kind of rang up yours disgruntled of Sydney, sort of saying, look, what's going to go on, guys? Yeah, we're not going to be able to see anything that's going on here. And um, what's going to happen is that, I mean, my understanding is that Fox kind of agreed to this very late in the day, which is why it's a bit of a schmozzle. But they've agreed that clubs can stream their own games. Uh, so what will happen is each club, and they've got to, they're doing it themselves, have got to find someone to stream it, and then they can host it on their website. Um, so, but that won't, might not even be happening for this round, because that's going to take a couple of weeks to get together. Um, but once we understand how that's happening, we'll either put a, put something together so on Green and God Rugby so you can find where those streams are, and or if we can host them, obviously we'll do that as well. Um, or should I say, you know, kind of embed them so that you can easily go and find uh, where the game's going to be. But anyway, the good news is uh, you'll be able to see those other games that won't be televised, which, you know, I just I just can't get my head around why they're not, you know, uh, why, why this has taken so long. Um, even if Fox wasn't going to, because I understand it's like 50 grand to televise each of these things. But, I mean, if you sunk a million or whatever is a million and a half by that Fox Sports did into this, I think you'd at least, I mean... By letting these other guys stream it, you're kind of building the value of the asset that you've got. So I really don't get uh, what the logic was there. Um, but uh, there you go. Good news is you'll be able to see a bit more. Um, and overall, guys, thumbs up. I mean, you know, you said there's only a 1,000 people down there. Braveheart, but it was still a good experience. I mean, it was pretty pretty rubbish weather, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It was... It was uh... It's great to see the competition underway, and, and certainly I'm keen to get out to, to a lot more games if I can. Um, if the weather's not too bad tomorrow, I'm planning to head out to uh, Parramatta after work to watch that um, that one. So uh, one. it should be good. Uh, there's definitely, like, it, sort of from the two games I've seen, it, there's obviously plenty of sort of young guys um, from whether it's Shoot Shield or Premier Rugby in Brisbane or elsewhere that... Um, wouldn't look out of place in a Super Rugby side. So, uh, and I guess that's that's exactly the purpose of the competition to sort of expose those guys to the next level, um, get them playing against some people who play have played a fair bit of Super Rugby or at least been involved in those professional setups. And uh, yeah, it's, it's excellent. Um, so I think I think we'll really see. I think most of the Super Rugby sides have left a couple of a couple of gaps in their squads for the for next season and we'll be looking to sort of uh, cherry pick the best few players they find out of um, the NRC. So I think that's exciting. Like this sort of finally a, a good opportunity where the the better players are really getting a chance to, to show their wares and, and show that they've got, got what it takes to, to become a full-time professional. So um, yeah, it's good. Oh, that's good news. Well, look, the other thing that we've got starting is um, as a tournament is the Bingham Cup. Um, I yeah. think I've seen that all the teams are here. This is, you know, sort of. Uh, so this is the Mark Kendall Bingham Memorial Tournament, um, which is a gay rugby union tournament um, being held here. Now, I'm, I'm just assuming because I've seen very little about it, and we've even tweeted saying, "Please, will someone help us cover this?" Um, you, people have probably noticed we struggle just to cover anything. <laughs> We're struggling to cover test matches at the moment. Um, 
So, you know, if anyone's able to, is going to be getting along and wants to write, we'd very happily just take scores or it'd be even better if we get, can get a review. I'm kind of, I'm here, I'm looking in the Wikipedia at the moment. It doesn't actually tell me, um, what, you know, and I know it's in Sydney. I'm assuming it's so, this weekend. Does it, do you know? Yep. So it's it's all on this weekend. I think it's down at uh, Wallara Oval, which is um, East Eastern Suburbs Rugby Club's uh, ground. So they're using sort of the number one East East Oval, and then um, Wallara two and three, which I think uh, for the subbies out there is where colleagues play. Yep. Uh, and it's all all over on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, and I, I saw some banners up along Oxford Street today on the way to work. So the the, uh, the Bingham Cup, the uh, World Cup of Gay Rugby, the the banners say. So um, and it certainly seems like there are there are a lot of teams in in Sydney for it, um, both from Australia and, and elsewhere. And uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully, sort of plenty of people get down to to uh, Wallara and and watch that one. Um, okay. So I guess I, I watched a sort of bit of the the Mark Bingham documentary um, last week on the ABC and uh, it's it's pretty good stuff. Like he's a pretty inspirational guy and obviously gave his life uh, averting um, sort of a t- terrorist plane. Uh, was it the United Flight 92 crashing into the Pentagon during um, in the 9-11 disaster? So, yeah. Uh, yeah, quite a hero. Um, yeah, we're worth uh, checking that out. All right, well, so that's... Great news. Um, so I think that's it for this weekend and for, well, for this week. Obviously, we've got the NRC coming up. We'll have to think about something to go on about next weekend. But um, other, other than that, thanks for joining, guys. I don't think we've got anything else. Anyone got any last thoughts? Or um, no. just, out of, just out of Canberra today, um, Stephen Moore was appointed the Brumbies captain for 2015 and possibly onwards, um, oh, which, is, which is good news. Oh, that's great. What was interesting on that, actually, just to very quickly follow on, that was... I saw someone comment somewhere, oh, well, they obviously couldn't offer it to Pocock because he's had a couple of bad knee injuries and blah, blah, blah. And I thought, well, you do remember what Stephen Moore's suffered from, don't yeah. you? <laughs> yeah. So it's an interesting one, like a guy that's had a pretty pretty major knee injury and having had a, having had a reconstruction. So, you know, I suppose a slight gamble, but um, hard to say he's not deserving. No, no, definitely not. Yeah, we've got a few... Wallaby captain circulating now. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of hard to know who. Oh, well, we know who the incumbent is, but who's who's the default choice anyway? It's um, like the black trialist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Everyone so, knows. Everyone knows one. <laughs> I guess one other thing: the, uh, the the Waratahs had their uh, end of year dinner last night. So uh, Michael Hooper again won the uh, Matthew Burke Cup for Player of the Year. Uh, Cliffy Parler was uh, the best forward. Um, I think Bernard Foley. Sorry, Adam Ashley Cooper was the best back. Bernard Foley won the uh, the Members Player of the Year, and uh, Alofa Alofa won the Aspiring Waratah Award, which is somewhat ironic, seeing as he's uh, he's been and gone. Um, he, he aspired to move overseas. Yep. Okay. Cool. That was great. No, it's uh, I I love the comment uh, that was uh, I think it was on the on the, on the news about that today. Uh, the first comment was. Um, what don't what do these guys? What do these jokers know about selecting uh, prizes? It should have been, you know, either uh, Hodgson or Gill, <laughs> um, followed by too many tars. Anyway, um, yeah, good one. All right, good. Well, thanks, guys. Thanks for joining, and uh, we managed to get a bit out of what was an otherwise very depressing weekend. Um, and uh, look forward to next time. Always a pleasure. See you guys. Excellent. Excellent. See you. Seven left. Seven left.